Well, let me ask you to take out your Bibles with me and let's open up again to the book of Romans in chapter 10. Book of Romans and chapter 10. As you're turning there, let me mention that this is our final message on Romans chapter 10. Uh, We will complete our study of this chapter this morning. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, Pastor Merle will be feeding us from the Word of God. Um, I will be in St. Louis for the um, annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. And let me ask that you be praying that God would bless uh, those meetings that are going to be happening there at the convention. Um, It's been a a hard year for the SBC with uh, hundreds of missionaries being brought home due to funding issues and uh, there's been the beginning of a reshaping of the International Mission Board around a, a new strategy for reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. And so I, I look forward to uh, bringing you a report uh, when I come back about all that took place there. And if you're just interested in that kind of thing, uh, next week when it's happening, you can go to sbc.net and you can watch uh, some of the proceedings live if, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, most of the important uh, business part of the convention takes place on Tuesday and Wednesday. So next Sunday, Pastor Merle uh, will be preaching here. And then in two weeks, uh, we're going to return to the Old Testament uh, for a little while. Uh, but we're not going to go back to Exodus, at least not yet. Uh, I really believe that, that God has placed the book of Daniel uh, on my heart as a good place for us to be as a church in the coming months. Um, especially with the election coming up. Uh, with the changes that are happening so rapidly in our culture, I I think the book of Daniel might be timely for us. Uh, Certainly I want our young people uh, to spend some time in that book, and I think it will do all of us good. And so uh, beginning uh, Father's Day Sunday, uh, we will go to the book of Daniel, and we will spend some time with Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and uh, the wonders that we find there in that book. And let me encourage you to begin praying about that as well, that God would bless our time in that book uh, in the coming months. But before we do that, we have some final business here in Romans 10. Uh, God has more to say to us in this wonderful gospel chapter. And so our focus this morning is going to be verses 16 through 21, but I think it will help us to start reading in verse 13. So we're going to start reading Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and this is the very word of Almighty God. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for 
their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So let me quickly remind you of what we have already seen in these verses. In verse 13, Paul quotes the prophet Joel. He quotes Joel 2.32. And the key word in verse 13 is the word everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The door to heaven has been opened to all people, anyone who will believe, everyone who will believe. Then, because that verse has missionary urgency to it, because that verse has a mission's impetus to it, Paul gives us a chain of actions that result in a lost sinner being saved. We talked about being senders. Those Christians in local churches who help send out preachers with the gospel to the world. We spent time last week talking about the missionary task. That the primary task of a missionary is to preach the gospel. We saw that the aim of missionaries is that people would hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and call out on Christ to save them. We saw last week the nobility of missionaries. As Paul quotes from Isaiah 52.7, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But now as we come to verse 16, we find that there is a problem. And the problem is this. For some people, that chain in verses 13, well, verses 14 and 15, for some people that chain gets broken. Verse 16, Paul says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Yes, the gospel is an invitation. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus Christ will give you rest for your souls. The gospel is an invitation, but the gospel is also a command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The gospel is God commanding all people everywhere to believe on His Son. And to hear the good news of what God has done in giving His Son as a sacrifice for sinners and then to reject that news and to not believe on Christ, that is to disobey the gospel. It is to dishonor the God who gave His Son. And Paul is telling us something here that we already know. That as missionaries go out into the world and preach the gospel, there are some people who don't believe it. 
In fact, there are many who hear the gospel and reject its message. To their own peril, grieving the hearts of those who love them and know the truth, there are people who hear the gospel message and they don't believe it. And this is not new because in verse 16, Paul quotes Isaiah from centuries before saying, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? That verse is from the beginning of Isaiah 53, probably the most gospel-filled chapter in the entire Old Testament. This gospel chapter, Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have gone astray and uh, God has laid on him the, the sins of us all, the iniquity of us all, and yet it begins with this verse, Lord, who has believed? E.J. Young says about that verse, it is designed to call attention to the paucity of true believers in the world and especially among the Jews. The prophet, as the representative of his people, is speaking and expressing dismay that so few believe. I wonder if you feel that this morning. If you're here as a true believer in Jesus Christ, do you ever look around this world and grieve? that so few truly trust and love your Lord. As we watch our own nation changing, as we watch changes happen in our own state, perhaps even in your own neighborhood, are you dismayed at the unbelief that is around you? There are so many people rushing headlong into all sorts of foolish sins. In recent days, I've had conversations with several of you in this church family about how many people around us are just messed up and broken right now. How we keep hearing of those overdosing on heroin, people caught up in all types of alcohol abuse, sexual sin wreaking havoc in the lives of so many here in our own community. And we've talked about how sad it is That people today seem to keep embracing ignorance and having their beliefs shaped by whatever the media tells them and whatever feels good to them. Mount Hermon, all around us are broken, hurting people. And here you and I are, and we're broken, hurting people, but we at least have the joy and the peace of knowing Jesus Christ. We have the gospel that people around us need, and it, it kind of boggles our minds. Why will they not trust Jesus? Why do they continue to prefer the muck of sin and unbelief when they could have the priceless treasure of knowing Jesus? What is the problem? Well, maybe, maybe the problem is that they just haven't really heard. Remember the chain? Sending, preaching, hearing, believing, calling. So if people aren't believing, maybe something has gone wrong with the link right before it, the hearing part. After all, you can't believe what you haven't heard. Maybe this is the kink in our chain. People aren't hearing. But look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. But I ask, 
Have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In other words, Paul says, we cannot say that the problem for all who don't believe is that they haven't heard. In fact, there are many who have heard and have not believed. Many people living here in Rocky Mount who do not trust Jesus grew up in church. Many people in our area who reject Jesus Christ today have Christian friends and have heard the gospel before. The problem is not that they haven't heard. In fact, Paul does something really, really interesting in verse 18. He doesn't go where you would expect him to go. He quotes Psalm 19.4. Now, by the way, notice that Paul is continuing to back up every single point he makes with an Old Testament scripture. Have you noticed that Romans 10 is almost as full of Old Testament quotations as it is of original sentences written by Paul? Paul makes a point, and then he quotes a verse. He makes a point, and then he quotes a verse. And then he makes a point, and he quotes the verse. And this is an apostle of Jesus Christ himself. Paul could have said by his apostolic authority, what I say is true, Jesus appointed me to deliver his message, I come with the authority of Christ, it is true. But he doesn't just do that. He says, let me show you that everything I'm teaching you is not new. It's all there in the Old Testament. But what's interesting about Psalm 19 verse 4 is that the psalmist there is not speaking about the gospel. The psalmist there is speaking about the way God speaks to all people everywhere in nature. Psalm 19.4 is not about a gospel preacher preaching the gospel and people hear it and don't believe. It's not about a preacher preaching the gospel and some people don't hear. No, Psalm 19.4 is about those truths that God is preaching to everybody everywhere through the sun and the clouds and the birds and the trees and the grass. And Paul's point is this. All people everywhere hear God speaking through nature, but they still do not regard God and they do not honor God. In other words, their problem is not lack of information. The problem that we're dealing with as we try and preach the gospel isn't that people want to hear the truth, but they just don't have the information they need to believe it. No, the problem is the opposite. People don't want to hear the truth. The problem is intentional deafness. As Paul told us in Romans 1, God's attributes have been clearly revealed to all people in the world, but people in their natural sinfulness, they want to suppress the truth. They try not to know what they know. All people everywhere are trying not to see what is obvious. The sun and the trees and the birds and all creation is speaking and they they put their fingers in their ears. They don't want to hear what they're saying. Our love for ourselves, 
Our love for our own sin makes natural man choose to be deaf. So now Paul goes back to where he started in Romans 9 and where he was at the beginning of Romans 10. He goes back to the unbelief of his own kin. Again and again we have felt the grieving in Paul's heart as he thinks about his own family members. As he thinks about his own friends. As he thinks about his own people, the Jews. And how they were not believing in his day. And are still not believing today, by and large. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, Paul, thinking about his own kin, he says, But I ask, did Israel not understand? In other words, is this mainly a Gentile problem? (laughs) Is it just the pagan Gentiles in the world who put their fingers in their ears and don't want to hear truth? Is it right that at least of all the peoples in the world, there's one group, the Israelites, and they want to hear. They want to hear God's truth. Paul's answer is no. That Jews, just as much as Gentiles, are intentionally deaf. And he calls on witnesses to make the point. He says, don't take my word for it. There's Moses. Witness number one, Moses. And he quotes Deuteronomy 32, verse 21, where God says through Moses, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then he calls as witness number two, the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes from Isaiah 65, verse 1, I have been found by those who did not seek me, I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. And then verse 2, speaking of Israel, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. What does all this mean? It means that the Jews were continuing to not hear. And the Jews were continuing to not believe. Even when Gentiles around them We're starting to be saved. The whole world is intentionally deaf, not wanting to hear the truth of God. And yet here is God's people, the Jews. And in Paul's day, the gospel starts going to the Gentiles and Gentiles start hearing and getting it and believing and knowing Christ and being saved. And the Israelites, by and large, just stayed there with their fingers in their ears. God is continuing to hold out His hands to them. God is ready, even right now, should a massive group of Jews say, we want to believe on Christ, every one of them would find God ready and willing to save them. Remember Jesus saying to Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not, you were not willing. 
course, this may apply to someone sitting in this room this morning. Could it be that others around you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? But that you're still plugging up your ears and you don't want to deal with the gospel. Could it be that people are being saved around this world today who did not grow up in a Christian home and did not have many gracious privileges that maybe you did? Maybe you're sitting here and you grew up in church and you've heard the gospel a thousand times and meanwhile today there are people who've never heard it before and they're believing the very first time they heard it. And yet you still refuse God is holding out His hands to you, calling out to you yet again, believe on my Son. I've done everything necessary to make you right with me, to bring you to heaven. Believe on my Son, and you still refuse to hear. Na, 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 na. Now, Herman, what can overcome people being intentionally deaf because of the sin in their hearts. When people don't want to hear, when they're clogging up their own ears, how can they ever believe? How can they ever be saved? How can they ever really hear? Paul has already given us the answer in verse 17. Look at verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Um, Let me encourage you to put your finger on the first part of that verse. So faith comes from hearing. There is a kind of hearing that produces faith. There is a kind of hearing the gospel that causes people to believe and to be saved. This is the kind of hearing that we want for our lost friends. This is the kind of hearing we pray for for our lost loved ones. This is the kind of hearing that that happened for every one of us in this room who is now a Christian. Praise be to God. We experienced a kind of hearing that produced faith. Faith came from hearing for us. But how does that kind of hearing happen? Well, now put your finger on the second part of verse 17. And hearing through the word of Christ. See how important this little word of is in the English. What does this word of mean? Many of the commentaries in my office back there say that we should take that word of here to mean about. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word about Christ. In other words, faith comes from hearing, and how do you hear? Through the message of the gospel. That that word that's about Christ, the the message of the gospel. So, So here's how it happens. The gospel is preached, and people hear, and people believe. But that can't be what Paul means here. And it can't be what Paul means here because his entire argument is that sometimes people hear the gospel and they don't believe. 
Sometimes people sit in a church service like this and they hear the gospel about Christ and the facts come into their ears, but the hearing that they have does not produce faith. It's a a hearing that rejects what they hear. In verse 16, verses 19 through 21, Paul has pointed out a major problem. Some people hear the gospel, but not with the kind of hearing that changes them, not with the kind of hearing that gives them faith. And in verse 18, Paul has shown from Psalm 19 that this is a fundamental problem with the human race and how we relate to all truth that is given to us by God. Even when we hear truth, there is something in our own hearts that makes us want to shut it out and not really hear it at all. And so if of, in verse 17, means the word about Christ, there's no help for us here, and we are left with a problem with no solution. But I am convinced that the word of Christ, in verse 17, means the word that comes from Christ. In other words, this phrase can either refer to a word that is about Christ or it can refer to a word that comes from Christ. And if it means the latter, as I think it does, it answers the question. It gives a solution to the problem. There is a kind of word that comes from Christ that overcomes people's intentional deafness and causes them to hear. There is a kind of word that comes from Christ that is effectual. And when that word from Christ comes to somebody, it pulls the fingers out of their ears and they hear the gospel and that word even brings them to believe it and to love it. You see, I can come to you as a preacher And I can speak the gospel to you. But the only way you will ever really hear it and believe it is if Christ himself speaks to you through the gospel and calls you to himself. What did Jesus say in John 6? All that the Father gives to me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Or John 10, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. Dear friends, when Jesus would preach parables, He would tell people, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And he would say that because most people do not have ears to hear. 
Every person in this room was born with sin in our hearts and a desire to shut out truth so that we can live in self-worshipping, self-centeredness. It is Jesus who speaks with a sovereign voice and opens the ears of some so that they really hear and believe and are saved. When Jesus speaks sovereignly, we have to listen. And we hear and we're convicted and we repent and we believe and we're radically changed. So faith comes from hearing and hearing, true hearing, comes by the word of Christ. Uh, Very quickly, one example of this is Lydia. Remember Lydia in Acts 16? Right, So Paul and Luke and others had come to the city of Philippi to preach the gospel. It was a Sabbath day. They went outside the city of Philippi. They went down to the riverside. And there at the riverside, there was a group of women that would gather together to pray. And so uh, Paul and Luke and others, they began to share the gospel with these women there by the riverside. But we're only told of one who believed. Lydia. So what what was different about Lydia than all the other ladies that were gathered there? Why did Lydia believe when the other women did not believe? We're told the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It was as simple as that. Here was this lady from Thyatira, the seller of purple. She was gathered amongst all of these other ladies from various places and various vocations and Lydia wasn't smarter than the others. Lydia wasn't wiser than the other ladies there. But the Lord did a sovereign word where he spoke and her heart and her mind were opened and she paid attention and she heard in a way that the others didn't hear. And she believed. Now this leaves us with a lingering question. If it is Christ who sovereignly causes people to truly hear and believe and call out for salvation. Why is Christ saving many Gentiles, but leaving the vast majority of Jews in their unbelief? Why is Jesus not saving Jews? God is holding out His hands to them. He's saying, come to me, but their hands are in their ears. Jesus has the power to remove the hands from their ears. But it's not happening. Gentiles are being saved, and all the way up to our day in the 21st century, the vast majority of Jews are not believing. What kind of plan is being worked out here? What in the world is God up to? Well, that's what Romans 11 is about. And so that's where we will come after some months in Daniel. We will return and we will look at Romans 11 and we will see the answer to that question. But as we come now to the Lord's table, I want us just to reflect on this truth. That the same Jesus who overcame our sinful stubbornness and caused us to hear and believe is the Jesus who gave his life for us. You see, the good shepherd not only calls the sheep to himself and they come to him, this good shepherd loves his sheep so much that he was willing to give his life for the sheep. 
Should a lion attack the fold? Should a wolf try and snatch a sheep away? It is the good shepherd who rises to the occasion, takes on the enemy, even at the risk of his life. He won't let the sheep be destroyed. So in our case, the danger was our own sin. We had broken the laws of God. Justice demanded that we bear God's righteous wrath for the terrible things we had done. But rather than having us experience everlasting destruction in hell, our shepherd went to the cross for his sheep. And he bore the wrath of God that we deserve upon his own shoulders. I told the lie. And he bore the punishment. I backmouthed my parents. He took the punishment. I looked at that internet site I shouldn't have looked at. Jesus took the punishment. I had moments of living for money, fame. Jesus took the punishment. Here is a good shepherd who loves his sheep so much that he took their sin on his shoulders and bore the punishment they deserved so that in the eyes of God they could be counted clean and righteous. Jesus paid it all. One of my favorite verses, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad, dear Christian? Aren't you glad? Let's pray.